Welcome to the Sales Mindset Podcast. I'm Dennis. I'm here with Brian. And we've decided we are going to react to another TikTok. So let's take a look at this guy. Value proposition. Challenger sale version. Okay. I don't know if you need to hear this, but if you're not pushing back in your customers when you're giving your value proposition of what you do, you're going to be losing some sales. Here's the framework that I use in my script. You have this problem. So you've used these solutions, which all have these problems, which is why we created our company, the only company that solves your problem and all the problems everybody else has in their solutions. I don't know if you need to hear this. Okay. There's a few things to dissect here. First is that he uses a script. No scripts. You're uh, script all the way. <laughs> I mean, it's good that you know your talking points and your responses, yeah. your call and response, if you will. But scripts are too easy to really get pulled off of. Mm -hmm. So the second is, I don't know if that's actually, if he's referring to the actual challenger sale with that video. Because that doesn't strike me very much as teak Taylor take control, teach Taylor and take control, which is the yeah. challenger methodology. The only connection to challenger sale is more so the uh, more um, self, uh, what, what do you call it, uh, business-centered approach where yeah. you're pushing a little bit more for your own proposition. Yeah, and so challenger methodology for um, viewers, listeners, is first it looks at the, the paradigms of the types of salespeople that are out there, the relationship builder, the lone wolf, the problem solver, the challenger, obviously, uh, and doing the spur of the moment. I can't think of all of them. To, I don't. Yeah. yeah. And the the whole thesis is that the challenger is the one that's the most successful, especially if the economy is not doing well. Relationship builder, horrible, uh, because they're so focused on the relationship that they don't push back. Mm -hmm. So when when it comes to pushing your customers, you want to push them to see the problem oftentimes. And it does require you to, to ask those right questions so that they can see it. I like to call it insight selling because it's developing or discovering insights that neither of you know. Discovering problems that neither of you know mm -hmm. actually exist and you know, requires that, that proper questioning. Uh, but that doesn't feel like, I mean, he, what he's basically saying is if you ask the right questions, you'll see that they have these problems and then you take your solution and put it into that problem what he's saying is you're trying to solve it with this that's not working so that's why you need us it's i guess a little bit similar so talking about scripts mm -hmm. i do agree for the most part that a script is kind of under if you go in using a script you're never going to walk out using a script there's just almost no way to do it <laughs> when you start a conversation i do think that there are places for Instead of using the word script, rather like bullet points, almost like you mm -hmm. were saying. And instead of not just no, uh, bullet points, like things I want to cover, like a general, um, what, what do you call it? Like a general overview or a general like expository form of like a speaking session, or, like you're giving a speech or something, but rather understanding how in different portions of the conversation you can turn it around. And there's the telemarketer version of that, <laughs> you know which is, if they say this, say this, or if they say this, say this. Mm -hmm. But there's also the relationship-oriented selling approach where 
you're going to start the conversation and you know how you want to start it. You know who you're looking for. And that's where you do have a bit of a script. Like you call the, let's say for me when I was selling advertising, I was trying to get a hold of the owner. And sometimes the only way to get to get there, especially when I do a smaller business to call the store. Mm-hmm. So I'm calling the store. I'm like, uh, you know, hi, Carly, whoever answers the phone. Like, hi, Carly, this is Brian from Spark. And I'm trying to get a hold of Brenda. Do you know if she's in the store right now? And just try to make it very casual while still professional. My biggest thing was going in a little bit more casual to mm-hmm. kind of d- uh, lower the arms a little bit when you're coming in. You don't want to sound like a telemarketer right out of the gate. But once you get past that mark, the script's gone. There's, there's no value to having a script because yeah. Brenda could be pissed off. Like, you know, you have no idea what she's going to say. And then you get to you're actually in a call. Uh-huh. And you have the type of objections that you feel are going to come out of this because you've dealt with this industry before or a business of this size. They, you've, you've seen like, oh, people might ask this, that, or this. So be ready to take care of those appropriately and respectfully as opposed mm-hmm. to expecting and interrupting and pushing for your own agenda and whatnot, but rather knowing, okay, yeah, I, I've heard this, or maybe not saying it out loud, but knowing in my life, I've heard this objection many a time. So I, I'm i going to build a way of responding to that that is most appropriate. Mm-hmm. And you use it almost like a script, but maybe not word for word, just conceptually where you want to go, like a framework. So there's a few bullet points that I have in my head on this one. Everything you said, legit. Um, to follow it up, if you're... For, well, who wants to be spoken to? Mm-hmm. No one wants to be spoken to. Yeah. People want to have a conversation. That was the first bullet point. Second bullet point is that... People don't want to feel like they're in some sort of machine. Mm-hmm. So we use these rubrics for our role play competitions in the college level. And what has been starting to happen is that people are complaining that they hire people who have this machine-like approach yeah. to thing, which is the same thing as a script. It doesn't sell. So... And the final piece is that if you know your product, you won't need a script. Mm -hmm. You should just be able to speak to it because you're an expert in your product, which hopefully your company is giving you the right type of training or at least gives you a sheet with the information so that when you're speaking to something, instead of rattling off a script that might be very irrelevant, Mm -hmm. you're able to pivot to whatever is relevant to that particular customer. There is a place for scripts, but not with high-level sales. Yeah. I had a script for when I did Clean Water Action way, way back, uh, 20 years ago now, uh, and I still know the script. It's mm-hmm. a 20-year-old script, and I still yeah. could rattle it off to this day. And the benefit is that there is a high turnover just because of the type of people that they were were pulling in. Not that Clean Water Action was a bad organization. It's mm. that they were hiring college students who, who needed a quick buck. Yeah, I was using it at the time to fund my organization. It's actually yeah, part of how I learned how to sell, part of how I gained the confidence to, to do the ask. So in that vein, I think the script is very useful for that door-to-door approach. But mm. if you're having high-level business conversations... That script is going to probably be the death of you. Yeah. 
So to kind of cover the back half of what he was saying, mm -hmm. there's a lot of legitimacy to that as far as like the value proposition and lining it up. It's more so taking the concept of the value proposition and breaking it down as to mm -hmm. what a value proposition should look like. Because I think that sometimes that can be glossed over where this is what you're offering to a company. These are the problems that you're trying to solve. But instead of viewing it as just a one-dimensional thing, there are a couple of elements that come to it, like he brings up. Like you want it to be unique mm -hmm. and attractive and have a reason for them to select it above substitutions or other not as effective solutions. Yeah. Let's find something else to look at. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so this next video, it looks like they're talking about email phrases. Well, that's exactly what the title on the thumbnail says, email phrases to use less. Let's see what she has to say about this, and let's, uh, let's see why, or talk about why yeah. she might be right or wrong. So, number of these phrases that are up here... Uh, this first one, I'm just following up. Yeah, that one's bad. It, yeah, so there, there's a phrase that I, I really like to use. I, I don't, I would, I hope I coined it. If I didn't, that's fine. Whatever. I won't be too upset about it. But I like the back footed where I used to say it all the time where I really, really don't like it on a phone call, especially the biggest one that I saw. It's just like this one was, uh. Whereas I was wondering, mm -hmm. this very non-committal, back-footed way of approaching a conversation, like, I was wondering if you might be interested in talking to me about this thing. It's like, you've just padded so many things to say, do you have some time to sit down? Yeah. So I'm just following up. Sorry to bother you. I'm just wondering, those are very weak, very low yeah. confidence phrases to use in an email. And when it, it, it almost comes across as please please buy from me yeah <laughs> and so it doesn't it, it comes off as too thirsty too hungry yeah yeah to, to to do that it also exchanges the power from neutrality well they already have a little bit more power because they can just not respond to your email yeah. or they can not open your email and you're shifting the power balance all the way yeah. into their into their hands, which is not what you want. You want to give them a reason to respond to you and kind of restore that to where you're having an even communication. Absolutely. So this the, towards the bottom, I'm seeing do me a favor. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, I'm not going to yeah. do you a favor. Um, all right. So this is an interesting one. Click on my calendar link. That's yeah. So I, I use Calendly, mm -hmm. but just saying click on my calendar link. Yeah. Yeah. You have to frame it in a way that it works for them. So when yeah. I'm when I'm in a situation where I feel like I'm in different status. Mm -hmm. So there are situations where I know I have the power, I know the person wants to buy and it's mm -hmm. fine. But if it's a situation where I'm cognizant of, of communicating status, what I say is to avoid a back and forth, mm -hmm. I have Calendly set up for us. That, that's a lot better. And it's what it easier. does is it says, Let's save each other's time of a back and forth. Use the Calendly to try and find something. And I usually follow it up with, if you don't see something on the Calendly, let me know. We'll yeah. see, I'll see if I can work it out. Because I don't, you know, everything that's on Calendly, is it's actually a pretty tight span of time. So mm -hmm. I always have wiggle room. I may not have wiggle room for all people, mm -hmm. but if a person's important, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll always find the time. You make time for your friends. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or people who I know are going to be good business. 
Uh, I would love to. I would like to. Same thing. I think yeah. they're they're just weak phrases. Going back to the calendar link, yeah. actually, I think I have I have a theory that that is going to become more commonplace. Mm-hmm. Calendly is still a little new as far as how it works. You you know you could always look at somebody's Google Calendar. You could send you know a link to some your calendar mm-hmm. for the last you know however many years. But Calendly specifically, I've gotten so many. Uh, marketing emails or sales emails uh, through Realty or even just on my own LinkedIn, where in the first cold DM, they're like, click on my Calendly link to set up a, a question or to set up a conversation. I'm like, no, yeah. I, I don't want to talk to you. you. You've given me no reason to want to. You sent me a cold message with a Calendly link. And I think that oh, maybe you can do it I on see. the first yeah. one. But I think that best case scenario, if you're going to do the calendar link, you need to get interest first. That's my thought anyway, my personal opinion. And okay. it might shift later, like as it becomes more commonplace. Yeah. Okay. Definitely seeing the difference mm-hmm. there. It's it's the application within where they are in the customer journey. Yeah. 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 So if they're if it's a cold email, no, no, there definitely shouldn't be a calendar link. Yeah. Build some rapport, mm-hmm. get some interest, and say, great, let's have a quick conversation. This is of interest to you. I'm going to send you my calendly mm-hmm. for you to find some time to get onto yeah. the calendar. That's yeah. Yeah. I remember, so the first time I had Calendly sent to me was back in 2020, actually. And I was turned off by it. Yeah, yeah. And it feels so, very impersonal a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, well, why can't we figure this out? But mm. that's actually one of the more annoying things about business is actually mm. going back and forth over yeah. email, especially. I don't mind doing it over phone. Mm. But I hate a back and forth email trying to yeah. find calendar time. So... Uh, I see the value of it now. Yeah. And, you know, again, you got to be cognizant of where they are in the customer journey, like you said, and your relationship with them before you just spit out Calendly links. Now, I'll have clients who just automatically go to my Calendly link. Yeah. And it'll, you know, I'll be sitting down. I'm like, notification? Oh, oh I guess this person wants to talk to me. Okay. That, sure. That could be an and additional sale or I need yeah. to steward the customer or something along those lines. Mm. I think it's actually, that's why I think it's going to become more commonplace mm-hmm. is especially when you're dealing with somebody exceptionally busy, you might even lose a sale mm-hmm. that way. Going back and forth, you message somebody, hey, do you have time Tuesday or Thursday afternoon? And they say, no, I don't. Are you free on Wednesday? Mm-hmm. And then you respond to that with another time that doesn't work for them. How many times are they going to do that before they decide they're going to give up so, on this conversation? Yeah, so let's talk about that and how you can deal with that kind of situation mm-hmm. because the first thing I would do is, you know, send out, let's try and talk this particular day. Yeah. If that doesn't work for you, when are you available? Send me three dates. Send me some times that yeah. you can do. So you, you want to give options. And, of course, you want to read the situation mm-hmm. before you, you send out some. Same thing with the calendar link. Before you even send out a yeah. when are you available, you've got to to check, to read the room, basically. Yeah. Read the room, yeah. I think that the best way, if you can do it, like the golden egg, I guess, <laughs> is to get them on the phone yeah, and then do it mm-hmm. because you talk to them on the phone. My One of my favorite ways to do it is, hey, here's my cell phone number. If you have even five free minutes, you can call me just whenever. And usually I'm free enough to at least pick up the phone mm-hmm. to say, hey, uh, you know, they'll introduce themselves, say who it is and say, oh, I'm actually really busy. It, worst case scenario, I'm really busy right now, mm-hmm. but can I send you a text to this number? Or something, and then now you're in a whole other line of communication. Yeah. Text is crazy. Oh. Text is like right in their pocket, as opposed to email, which has this connection of business and formality, yeah. versus text, which kind of does demand a certain amount of attention. Getting them on the phone to say, "Do you have?" or even setting an appointment 
or saying, oh, can I actually send you my Calendly link and verify with uh, more emotion and personability is going to be the best way to get in there if you can do it. But that's also a luxury sometimes. It's true. I just saw this comment here and I'm going to read it because it's not going to show up on the screen. My coworker always tells me to end my work emails in an LOL or a <laughs> smiley face. So I sound less harsh. I bet she wouldn't tell me. Okay. Don't do that. <laughs> do not. I guess if you've got a good relationship, but definitely don't do that. Yeah. I, I think that there's a place, not for a smiley face or an LOL, but a certain amount of impersonability. If you yeah. can cross that threshold, the minute you can get somebody comfortable with being a little, like dropping the guard a little bit, the more likely they're to actually have a conversation. This is the way I view it. Typically. Well, and, and if you have to do that, maybe rephrase what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. If you know that you have to do that, unless you've got a very long relationship, there's there's some people that I have really long relationships that I can get away with making a joke. Mm. But because of that, I wouldn't need the LOL or the yeah. smiley face. And I think that's that's critical. Uh any other any other golden ones on this page? Well, this co- the one commenter says, "My name is bad. Why is my name is bad?" And I think it's just it's it's obvious what your name is if you set your email. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the the one thing that was left out here. That's actually a good one to talk about though, because opening an email is like really challenging sometimes. I find as far mm-hmm. as the best way to start phrasing it. Yeah, I never I never want to lead with me. Mm-hmm. If I'm gonna send an email or a LinkedIn message, I'm going to lead with what's in it for them. Mm-hmm. Then at some point in time, I might say, and here's who I am and what I do and how that's going to solve your problem. Let's have a conversation to make sure that that's right. Okay. So how, so what would be an example of that? Say you're trying to sell the sales mindset Academy. Like what would you say? Okay. So if I'm emailing someone as small business and hopefully I've done a little bit of work so I can customize that email to get their attention. Yeah. And the first thing I might say is, you know, with a small business, it could be a real pain in the butt or something like that to, <coughs> to train your employees on the basics of what sales is yeah, yeah. before you even get to the actual details of what they have to sell. Wouldn't it be nice before they even stepped foot while they were just getting ready, if you could buy them a sales training course to give them the basic foundation of what sales is and the right mindset to be successful in sales so that they are more likely to start on the right foot. Mm-hmm. My name is Dennis Dubasquale. I'm the principal for the Sales Mindset Academy at Canaz Holdings, and I'd love to talk to you about that. Interesting. Here's my Calendly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got to end with that, of course, on the cold email. So I sometimes struggle with starting an email because mm-hmm. I want to open with my name is Brian or something. Cause it yeah. feels like I need to introduce something. I've stopped doing that now, mm-hmm. but I find it really challenging to start like that. Sometimes I think that it can and does work very well. You're painting a picture and then you're following up. But also I get this, I, I think really hard about if I were reading it, mm-hmm. if I started reading, I said, wouldn't it be nice? I'm like, Oh, marketing mm-hmm. or sales, you know, dropping it in the trash. But also, you shouldn't hide that you're a salesperson. It's obvious what you are. You're a salesperson. Yeah. And doing anything otherwise would insult somebody's intelligence. So I, I guess sometimes I have an issue balancing those two things. Mm-hmm. Is coming across too salesy or afraid that I'm going to turn somebody off by just like any mark of a salesman mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. the 
perf- uh, professionalism or, or even the balance of professionalism and informality that I want to have in there, like personality. Yeah. You're overthinking it. Who cares? Yeah. You know, there, there's going to be people that perceive you as a salesperson. Yeah, yeah no matter what, it's I guess. It's not a big deal. You're, they're getting an email out of nowhere. Yeah, and maybe they'll get past... That's that's why you've got that first sentence to say, wouldn't it be... Like like I said, wouldn't it be nice if, you didn't, if your salespeople could hit the ground running from day one? Mm-hmm. If I've emailed the right person... They should be like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, you're selling something, but let me see the next sentence. Mm-hmm. Versus the plethora of, as a professor, I get tons of really bad emails that just end up on a you know, projector sometimes when I want to show a student yeah. what a bad email looks like. Uh, where it's, here's who I am, here's what I, no, make it about them. Start off with it. And then the, my name is, wouldn't be that big of a deal. Yeah. I'm, or whatever, if you even need to do that. I represent mm-hmm. the Sales Mindset Academy. That's that's all I care. That's already stronger. Yeah, you're gonna have your name and your signature. It's gonna yeah. show up in the two section again. If you've set your system, yeah, I did correct, get an email yeah. from intern once, yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was junk mail, but it was actually uh, about a panel that I was speaking at. Uh-huh. But that's you know, it's, it's because you know that will catch people's attention or uh, in a positive or negative way. Mm-hmm. All right, let's react to one more. Yeah, sure. All right, let's, uh... all right, Brian, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready for this All one. Right. This one's going to be something. We, we've got a cliche. I know we just mentioned this in another podcast, but let's go with it. Here's this pen. Try to sell it to me. How would you sell this pen to me? Okay, well, it's a Santa Monica Place pen. It's a ballpoint pen. It's a black pen. Um, and in order to use this pen, you need to write something down. Um, can you do me a favor? Could you write your name down for me and your phone number? Okay. Okay. right there. Yeah, yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah. So I'll let you go first. Yeah. So first of all, the top comment already says that he just requoted Wolf of Wall Street, and this is this is this is this is almost entirely true. Like yeah. it, it's almost verbatim in certain parts. That being said, there's a couple little things he said um a lot, but he's also being approached on the street. Yeah, I can't yeah. not hear it though after <laughs> after doubling down on it so much in my mind. But the stereotype, this this question is just so brutal to me. Like I can't even hear it without cringing a little bit. Okay. It's too much. I'm not gonna criticize the question. I'm actually going to go and and, and mm-hmm. for for anyone who's new to sales, what was wrong with the way he he did that mm-hmm. is he feature sold, and he didn't ask questions. Yeah, you know, we talked again. We talked yeah. about, it, but in case you didn't catch that one, no questions and feature sold again. Poor guy, just kind of someone yeah. ran up to him on the street and said, "Sell me this pen." Mm-hmm. I was like, and he's in California, of course, so uh, everyone's performing there. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Just as a heads up, the only correct answer to this question is to ask a question. Exactly. That is, exactly. If, if, anybody, if anybody plays the game, it's why do you need a pen or do you need a pen or what do you like most about a pen? You, you open with a question. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see where it, where it goes next. What is your advice is the, the caption on the screen. So let's see. What is your advice for selling something? One advice. Um, one advice applying to men. Oh, wow. Um, that's why I asked immediately if you could write me something down. He truly is recording Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, man. Why is this bad advice? <laughs> <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> I need to let you go on that one. <laughs> why, why, don't we ta- why don't we be positive? You okay. Know? Why, why, don't, why don't we take okay. positive? Supply out? and demand? Yeah, there's something, there's something true in there. Right, maybe not supply and demand. It's a very macro way of looking at the whole situation, but rather, the potential need. There might be a need. The potential need and the potential satisfaction of a problem or need appealed to the inner prepper of this. Yeah, man yeah. And running out of a pen. <laughs> so, 
you know, that's a good thing there. They might need the pen and he has the supply for it. So you're trying to narrow down if they need it and how he can solve their problem. That's obviously what he meant. Not just requoting Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Okay. And you, you didn't have anything negative to say, did you? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it's a, uh, let's move on. <laughs> I was looking for the missing link of why you would need a pen. Okay. So See, he could have asked questions. Yeah. And he would have found that missing link of why she would need a pen. Now, anticipating the future. Yeah. Okay. Here's his pen. All right. I think that was good. We reacted yeah, to one. three TikToks there. Uh, that middle one's probably where you're going to get the most meat from our <laughs> podcast today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Brian. And uh, we'll see you in the next one.